Hello and welcome to our podcast, Within the Mist, a hidden place where we walk into the dark and clouded unknown. I am your host, Gary, to tell you about cryptids, ghosts, and other mysteries. Today, my beautiful wife and co-host, Goldie Ann, joins us. Hello, Goldie Ann. Hi, Gary. How are you today? I'm good. How are you? I'm excited. It's been a very good month for us and with a lot more things coming up. Fun, fun, fun. I just recently came back from the Paranormal Roundtable Conference, which was amazing. Met a large number of new friends and enjoy seeing them now on Facebook and on our YouTube channel. So if you met me during the Paranormal Roundtable, I really appreciate your time and hope you now enjoy the show. Secondly, I'm getting a little nervous. So secondly... Well, that for Paranormal Roundtable was firstly. Firstly, secondly. Those are words? Yes. Any word is a word if you add an L-Y to it. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Or so I say. Gotcha, Lee. Secondly, I'm getting a little nervous because come 1 October, I have two books that are scheduled for release. So we're looking at, what, two, three weeks away? Yeah. So it's getting to be about that time. So just in time for the spooky season, I have one book, Hidden Within the Mist, 30 short stories inspired and based upon eyewitness accounts of paranormal cryptids, ghosts, and other mysteries for you to enjoy. It will be available on Amazon. And the other book on the other end of the spectrum is The Dad Jokes for the Paranormal Dad. (laughs) A collection of dad jokes that are based upon all the different categories of paranormal from ghosts to Bigfoot, Yeti, Loch Ness Monster. So if you have an interest in the paranormal and you want to try the lighter side, please take a look at this book, which will also be available on October 1st on Amazon. And I hope they do well. I hope people like them. What about the Paracon? In October 13th, we are going to be participating at the Paracon Convention in Arcadia, Florida, being housed in the very spooky Heard Opera House, which we have gone to and investigated before, correct? Correct. I was there last week while you were in Dallas. And you and picked I, up some interesting stuff. I did. Um, I haven't gone through all the evidence yet. We had really good talk in one of the rooms. But when we were just standing around getting ready to go do a question-answer session, which is where you try to collect EVPs, I heard someone in my right ear go, hey, there's no one around. Wasn't anyone anywhere. Well, I was in Texas. Yeah, it wasn't you. But yeah, I went back through the recording and I got it nice and clear. Hey. So I'm going to put that up on our page at some point. Yeah, I would definitely love for you to either shoot it over to me so I can attach videoing with it and we'll put it up on YouTube or at the very least it'll be on our Facebook page. Yeah, or you'll find it on uh, Feeling Paranormal's page. Feeling Paranormal being the host of Paracon and very good friends of ours who are specialists in investigations of ghosts. Well, with ghosts in mind, Goldian, where on the street do ghosts live? Everywhere? At the dead end. Oh, my God. 
It's not coming out of your joke book. Yes, I did, I did actually have to take that one out of the joke book. Golly. So, spoiler gets, alert. Yeah, it's, I should have put a spoiler alert, but there's many other jokes that go along with it. Now, I know we start our episodes with some humor, but today's episode involves abandonment, starvation, and murder. Damn. Yeah. As is common with many ghost stories, this may feel a little dark at times and may be very upsetting to some of our listeners. We are storytellers who have gathered information on some of our favorite mysteries to bring to you. We don't attempt to scare our listeners on purpose. Well, maybe just a little. However, this one I feel is a little darker than usual. Listener discretion is always advised. This is what I don't know about. I haven't heard about it. You will have to let me know how you feel about the story at the conclusion. Okay. But first, a word from our sponsor. Welcome back. We open with the small, struggling settlement of Kingman, Arizona, which had already served as a military outpost and Native American reservation when it was officially proclaimed a town in 1882. When a section of railroad was constructed through the area years later, Kingman began to boom with new businesses, settlers, and travelers. The gold rush began in Arizona around 1858, but it wasn't quite the opportunity many prospectors hoped for. It had come to so many parts of the western United States. Unfortunately, it didn't live up to the promise of wealth for many miners in the Arizona region. The families that set off to the West, hoping for fortune and success, often paid a much steeper price than anticipated. After grueling, exhaustive searches, many succumbed to the perils of life in the desert. On the outer edge of the desert mesa lies a ravine named Luana's Canyon. The gorge was home to an impoverished family who had their humble abode nestled in the dry wash near the center of the desert region. So join us today as we venture within the mists of Kingman, Arizona to discuss the Slaughterhouse Canyon. Sounds interesting so far. Slaughterhouse does kind of grab your attention. Yeah, at least for me. <laughs> Chapter 1 Dreams of Gold Luana was a very young woman, barely much more than a girl, with fair skin, deep brown eyes, and long chestnut hair that fell way past her shoulders. She was of a petite frame with a graceful figure, and her grace stood out amongst any crowd. Although she possessed a natural beauty, she kept a humble and straightforward demeanor. She had many suitors lined up, clamoring for her attention, men of all walks of life. Some were kind and gentle, while others were loud and ambitious. But the one, slightly older man with a sparkle in his eye charmed her the most. This tall, broad-shouldered miner spoke with such enthusiasm about how they would make their fortune in the gold rush of the West. She found it most appealing. He promised her riches and fame, servants, and a house with so many rooms. 
and they would acquire incredible wealth in the wilds of the frontier. She could not help but be tempted by such grandiose prospects. Luana was won over by his promises and settled on him as her husband. She tore away from the familiar sights and sounds of her East Coast home, a lone suitcase in hand, to travel with her new husband to the dust-covered expanse of the Arizona Plains. Her family had begged her not to go, but she was determined to start a new life with him. The days of the long voyage seemed to blend together. The wagon slowly creaked along day after day until they finally arrived in a vast, baking desert mesa. Luana was exhausted by this time. The wagon creaked to a stop in what appeared to be an endless stretch of sand and desert. Her husband, determined to make her dreams of wealth come true, began constructing a small structure from the scavenged resources around them, and the whatever wood that had been painstakingly carted along with them over the hundreds of miles. It wasn't much. It was a tiny shack of only four walls contained by a few meager belongings that they were managed to take along with them. A hard bed frame, a worn table with two chairs, a stove, some pots and pans, and blankets. There just wasn't much to their new lives. Though the lonely shack may have been tiny and sparse, Luana looked around at her humble abode under the clear night sky. She could still see the promise of one day having an opulent mansion stand where their small shack now stood. As one might expect, living in such harsh conditions was no easy a task, especially when a daughter and son were born within the first few years. Their meager belongings, collected over time, were scattered throughout the dusky bare walls. The poor shack provided some relief from the intense desert heat. However, nights in the tiny home turned frigid despite the family huddling together for warmth. The vast fortune Luana was promised and expected did not happen. But, after enough time, what had started as an unfamiliar environment slowly became embraced as their home. She learned to adapt to their new lives with determination and pioneer resilience. Luana's minor husband was a dreamer and wanted to give his family a better life. He never gave up and he would set off into the mountains for gold and food for his wife and children. With a pickaxe slung over his shoulder and an empty sack in hand, he periodically ventured deep into the treacherous terrain aboard his mule. He would return, weeks later, pockets empty, with some meager supplies, but no real wealth. He continued promising that next time would be the one. The family was incredibly poor, and there was rarely enough food at the best of time. Their only hope of a decent meal came from the bags of potatoes, cans of beans, and chunks of coal he brought back from his regular mining trips. Their lack of a regular income made it difficult to keep food on the table, 
So the only food the family had available to them was what the miner could bring back from his regular expeditions. Luana continued to watch as her husband loaded the mule saddlebags once more with supplies, a bedroll, and his pickaxe. He was about to set off for another two weeks to the northwestern mountains in search of the gold. She hugged him tightly and tried not to let her tears fall as the only thing that remained of her dreams of the life of ease and luxury were the crying babes that she held close. The aging woman and children would wait anxiously for his return, hoping he would bring enough food, money, and supplies for their comfort and survival. On one fateful day, the miner kissed his wife and children goodbye and was on his way. He swore that this would be when they finally struck it rich, and they would move away from this shack in this horrible desert forever. Promises, promises. Unfortunately, that would be the last time the family would see their father and husband. Days turned to weeks, and soon Luana's hope dwindled and fear set in. Each passing day brought new worries that he had been taken ill, attacked by wild animals, or worse, fallen prey to highwaymen. Luana feared she was a widow now and unable to mourn until she knew what fate had befallen her beloved miner in the unforgiving desert mountains. Chapter 2 A Mother's Despair Luana needed to prepare for this situation. She had always trusted her husband's ability to provide for the family, so she hadn't bothered to ration anything when he returned with supplies from his last trip. She would trudge up to the top of the nearby sand dune every evening, her eyes trained on the horizon. She scanned for any sign of her husband's return. A shimmering speck in the distance that may signal his approach, or a shining glint from the gold he was supposed to bring back. Each night she returned disappointed, yearning for a life free from this poverty-stricken desert. The family ate more daily as food and resources dwindled until nothing was left. Meals became scarce and stomachs empty as Luana watched her family slowly start to go hungry. Living alone in the canyon meant that the family had no other possible means of support. On other side of the shack were steep canyon walls and no different structure or sign of life could be seen for miles. There were no roads leading in or out, no means to earn money, and their hopes of leaving seemed to fade away with the passing days. The children's hollow faces and frail limbs seemed to grow thinner and thinner each day of the famine. Their piercing cries of hunger never stopped and ripped through the air as they huddled together for warmth in the chilly night reverberating off the canyon walls and echoing again and again, carried away by the night wind. Luana's children's eyes would fill with tears as they asked their mother for more food, their tiny stomachs grumbling in protest. No matter how hard she tried, the hunger pangs never disappeared. 
and she felt her heart breaking every day as she watched them suffer. The misery of her life was sapping away at the woman's will to carry on. Luana's face was filled with worry and despair as the days of famine stretched and no return of the miner. Dark circles were beginning to grow beneath her eyes, and her once flawless skin was now creased with fine lines. Her eyes had dimmed from their usual sparkle, and gray streaks had begun to shone in her young hair, indicating that she was aging faster than she should. Life weighed her down with worry and stress. She watched in helplessness as her beloved children became increasingly impoverished despite anything that she did. So, on one fateful day, she couldn't handle the stress anymore and succumbed to her breaking point. Luana's husband failed to return home and her responsibilities as a single parent pushed her closer to the brink of insanity. Her eyes grew bloodshot from the lack of sleep and worry. So on one morning, after another night of tears and crying and waiting, she screamed at the top of her lungs and grabbed a piece of shattered wood, with which she began to bang on the pots and pans. Her children huddled in the corner with their hands over their ears, terrified at this stranger who used to be their mother. Luana paused for an instant and looked at the wreckage around her before finally bursting into tears and sobs amidst the chaos she had created. She tried to keep it together for her children, but something inside of her was now broken. And as that sun set on yet another day without her husband's return and no food on the table, she sat at the kitchen table, staring blankly at the nothingness. At the same time, tears streamed down her face and her body shook with uncontrollable sobs. She rose from the table and determinedly walked towards the door. As she stepped outside, the desert world around her seemed surreal. The sky was a deep shade of red and the sand shifted gently as if they were whispering secrets to one another. Luana could no longer stand to see her children suffer, and she snapped. She knew what needed to be done, and with a sense of calm that belied her recent breakdown, she took a deep breath and turned to face her children, who looked up at her with confusion and fear in their eyes. I'll make everything better. Desperate for a reprieve, the woman slipped into the armoire and pulled out her wedding dress that she had worn oh so long ago when promises were made. Its delicate fabric felt cool against her skin, and momentarily she felt calm before the storm. She stood in her bedroom, a tattered white gown draped over her weary frame. A heavy rain pattered against the windowsill while thunder shook the walls and lightning illuminated her sallow face. Her children began to cry once more and the echoes on the canyon walls reverberated through the house like a dirge as she tied the last lace of her dress, her empty stomach growling in protest. She stepped out of the dilapidated shack and into the dark desert night. The broken woman inhaled the cold air and looked at the storm clouds rolling in. 
She reached over and grabbed the nearby axe that was used for kindling wood from a pile outside the door. The axe felt heavy in her hands, familiar from its use to chop firewood for the stove. Above her, lightning flickered in the ominous sky, casting a wild glow on her grim surroundings. She turned and made her way back inside the shack, lightning crossing the sky. Her eyes were focused on her two small children within, but none of Luana remained behind them. What was left proceeded to slaughter her children to end their suffering. What the hell? Told you this story goes very dark. Luana's eyes glazed over in a trance-like state as she took the axe and violently chopped at their bodies, leaving nothing but mangled chunks and discarded limbs. I thought she was not going to go chop wood or something. Jesus. Blood-soaked body parts were scattered across the walls in some gruesome decorative art, later earning the region the name of the Slaughterhouse Canyon. Trembling, she hauled the bodies of her dead children into a burlap sack and dragged it outside. Rain was now pouring down as the storm rumbled by. Tears mixed in with the rain and streamed down her face as she stumbled towards the river. The weight of the burden almost too much for her to bear. She tossed the bodies of her beloved children into the rushing water with a final heave. She stumbled to the riverbank, her satin wedding dress stained a deep crimson. As she collapsed onto the muddy ground, her last thoughts were of her children whose lives had been taken in that single night of carnage. A little late now. She definitely suffered of uh, temporary insanity. But worse, Luana dropped to her knees on the riverbank and broke down, wailing in <laughs> anguish and despair. A little late. She curled into a tight ball amidst the tall reeds, trembling with regret. Her sobs echoed through the night as she lost track of time and eventually succumbed to despair and starvation just before sunrise. This is like an American's version of La Girona? Keep that in mind. Okay. Oh, she's always in my mind. Chapter 3. The Echoing Cries Today, the sun beats down on the dusty road leading from Kingman, Arizona to Slaughterhouse Canyon. After about 12 minutes of driving past sagebrush and cactus, cars turn onto a gravel path carved into the canyon wall. There's a hand-painted sign from an iron gate indicating that the area is open to visitors. And as the sun sets behind the jagged desert mountain ranges, darkness brings an air of mystery and magic. An eerie silence hangs in the air, broken only by the occasional chirp of a cricket or the hoot of an owl. On certain nights, when a full moon illuminates the star-strewn sky, it is said that those brave enough to wander into the canyon depths will be rewarded with experiences beyond their wildest expectations or nightmares. The oppressive darkness of night descends onto the canyon like a heavy blanket, but if one were to listen closely, one can still hear the anguished screams of a mother piercing through the night, 
followed by the echoing sounds of her children's crying. Blood-curdling echoes bounce off the canyon walls, filling the air all around you with sorrow and despair. On particular warm summer nights, local high school kids would pile into the bed of a pickup truck and drive down to the Slaughterhouse Canyon. The teens would jump out at the remains of a small shack that still stands there, its wooden planks casting foreboding shadows in the moonlight, and they would laugh as they passed around beers. Useful curiosity and a yearning for freedom were at the root of it all. Here, the teenagers were allowed to be teenagers and scoff at curses and ghosts, to set a bonfire and let off steam without judgment of criticism. The night air cools their skin as they wait, and the desert is quiet until a strange sound occasionally breaks the stillness, a muffled thud or perhaps a creak in the distance. Then the teenagers know Luana must be close. It would begin ghostly moaning and mournful wails of a heartbroken mother echo through the canyon like a chilling siren's call, ranging from a deep bass to a higher, more piercing pitch. The macabre nature of these sounds fills the air, creating an uneasy atmosphere, as if something sinister is lurking in the shadows, making its way to the remains of the shack. The teenagers would scour the area with their flashlights, looking into the darkness of every nook and cranny, but there would be no sign of life. The ghostly screams and shrill shrieks in the still night air always, always ends up causing the brave teenagers to abandon their venture and run away as quickly as they can from the area. Drivers on the winding road that leads to Slaughterhouse Canyon often report a disquieting experience. They would spot a solitary figure in a pale white dress and veil strolling along the side of the desert road. She would appear out of nowhere only to vanish just as quickly. Those who are brave enough to pull over and venture through the canyon are convinced that she must be Luana's spirit, still despondent and broken over the death of her children and cursed to haunt the area forevermore. Wow. Chapter 4. A Woman in White The legend of Slaughterhouse Canyon looms over the dark desert town and casts shadows that dance in the flickering light of campfires. The stories have been passed down through generations and whispered around late-night bonfires and inside dimly lit bars. Though often mixed up with other frightening tales of lost loves and vengeful spirits, such as The Woman in White or La Llorona from Mexico, the locals know better. These are separate stories, each with unique horrors to be reckoned with. A woman kills her own children in every version of the same story, but it is her motive that changes each time. Some of these women in white are driven by grief or revenge. Other times, they are compelled by an evil presence or a selfish ambition. 
After discovering her husband's infidelity, the mother in La Girona was filled with rage. Infidelity caused her to snatch up her children, their faces frozen in terror, as she dragged them to the nearby river. There, she plunged them beneath its icy depths with tears streaming down her face. Their screams echo through the night air as La Girona carries out her unfathomable act. In comparison, in every account of the legend of Slaughterhouse Canyon, the recurring theme emerges. All of these speak of the husband's devotion to his wife and children. He would work long hours in the gold mines of the mountains, but always return to them until the final trip. Could there be a link between Luana and the Mexican folklore figure La Girona? If so, we would have to rethink what happened to her husband, the miner. Making the dark story even darker, perhaps he became disenchanted with his life with Luana. Had he been slowly slipping into disillusionment with his life for years, each time going out and returning home to face his family with the mountains of failure? Maybe he felt weighed down more and more each time. Terrifyingly, perhaps on this last trip, it seemed that it simply became too much for him, and instead of facing impending danger from a beast, a mining accident, or a robber, he chose himself to abandon his family once and for all to the desert. This tragic story could take even a more cruel twist if it was revealed that he struck gold on this last trip. <laughs> and with that fortune he had promised to share with her on his last voyage, and then instead of returning home, he started a new life. Maybe he spent his days in luxury and indulgence, wine and women welcoming him as he left his family behind with nothing but lost hope and broken dreams. This betrayal of this interpretation of the tragedy would connect La Girona and Luana together and anchor the trope of spirits of the unfortunate mother to the ravine where their cries reverberate against the midnight forevermore. And that is the legend of Slaughterhouse Canyon. Wow. And what do you think? Um, yeah, I mean, it just has La Girona written all over it. It's kind of an American version of it. A uh, mother goes to a point of despair, decides that she's going to sacrifice her children, and in a moment of insanity, kills them, becomes guilt-panged and upset about what she's done and kills herself, and now her ghost cries and screams in the night forevermore. So definitely a scary trip to take if you want to hang out in the middle of a desert with a crying ghost around you. Yeah, just don't take your children. No, definitely not. Anything else? No. That was a good <clears throat> story. It was slow. It was a slow start, but it finished strong. It is one incident, and I wanted to make sure that I had a proper buildup, as ghost stories often do. Oh, absolutely. There are so many urban legends of women in white. And this is probably one of the more terrifying and gut-wrenching of them all. Yeah. 
Well, before we go, I want to remind everyone that we are on social media and would love to hear your stories and opinion about the Slaughterhouse Canyon, women in white, and these types of ghost stories. You can reach us on our Facebook page, Within the Mist Podcast, and we are also on Instagram and have an email, Within the Mist Podcast at gmail.com. We would love for you to share your versions of ghost stories. We hope you enjoyed our story of the Slaughterhouse Canyon, and we'll come again for another episode. Until then, explore the dark, shadowy places and remain constantly curious. Goodbye, everybody. Bye, guys.